0: hello and welcome to let us learn more a podcast focused on produce industry education as you know we at the packer put on a number of events each year and we wanted to preserve all the great information that comes from those educational sessions this season of the podcast is focused on our sustainable produce summit so without further ado enjoy the session Welcome to the Sustainable Produce Summit brought to you by Trust in Food, a farm journal initiative and the Packer in partnership with Appeal. Um, My name is Nikki Cassio. I'm the moderator for this panel from the source, how COVID is changing consumer purchases. So I'm the founder and CEO of Measure to Improve. And Measure to Improve is a sustainability consulting firm committed to helping The produce industry, which includes growers, shippers, processors, um, association, collect, validate, and communicate their sustainability initiatives to credibly respond to the growing environmentally and socially conscious consumers that are interested in, in where, what, and how their food is produced. Um, I'm really excited to host this panel of consumers who are selected by the market research firm Aimpoint for their interest in understanding of sustainability. Um, I can't imagine a more urgent topic for industry than to hear directly from the consumers about how the worldwide pandemic has and continues to affect purchasing decisions Um, But before we get started, I wanted to set the stage for the panelists as well as the audience about what we mean by sustainability. Sustainability can mean a lot of different things to different people. And here's a slide that the Packer shared with me from the market research conducted by Aimpoint, which focused on consumer and retailer sustainability insights that will be available um, later this month. And they ask consumers what three words come to mind when you hear the word sustainability. And here we see everything from organic, environment, green, recycle, eco friendly, healthy. And admittedly, you know, there are a lot of moving parts, and sustainability can be complex to define. So I'd like starting with a common framework of reference uh, will help us all get on the same page. Um, These two definitions uh, from the 1992 Brundtland Commission and the USDA Farm Bill are examples of how sustainability is traditionally defined. And for the most part, they both revolve around the notion of meeting the needs of the present without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their own needs. And for, for us working with our clients over the years, Um, these definitions didn't always um, resonate. And so over time we found the model of the triple bottom line and the three P's of sustainability to be a lot more tangible and a lot easier to identify and relate to. So once we share this diagram with examples of what types of practices fall under sustainability, it becomes kind of an aha moment for our clients and for a couple of reasons. Um, First is they realize almost immediately that this isn't something they have to start from scratch doing. They have been practicing or implementing sustainability for years. They just never defined it as such. So when we talk about the three P's, we mean the people, the planet and profitability. And people is really about the social accountability Um, pillar of sustainability, and it primarily focuses on how we take care of our employees from fair labor practices, education and training, providing worker health and safety, and the communities in which we live and work and we give back to. Um, Planet is a little more obvious. It relates to being a good steward of the environment, Um, Things like reducing our resource use, things like water, improving our waste, reducing our waste, um, reducing our greenhouse gas emissions, investing in renewable energy. And profitability is not about how much money a company makes. However, it's important for companies and organizations to recognize that sustainability really starts with a good business case that translates into environmental and social benefits. So for profitability, it's about thinking and planning for the long-term viability of your business and mitigating risks. Things like succession planning, um, being vertically integrated, um, investing in new technology so that um, you're more efficient and more competitive. And to truly define something as sustainable, it's about including all three of these pillars and finding the synergy and balance between these. Otherwise, it's just an environmental or a social initiative. The good news is that this industry, this produce industry, um, sustainability has been part of this industry's DNA from the beginning. As I mentioned, it was never something we defined as such. And just the fact that most farming operations have been in the business for multiple generations and the fact that we're able to grow more using less, less water, less, you know, using less land is really proof that we as an industry are operating more sustainably because in part it makes good business sense. So with that foundation, I'd like to move on to hear from the uh, consumers on our panel about why sustainability is important to them and what's changed during this era of COVID. So without further ado, let me introduce the panelists so they can introduce themselves and get the Q&A started. So please state your name, where you're from, what you do and why, pro- why a products sustainability is important to you.
1: Um, my name's Eric Miglietti. I'm from Hilliard, Ohio, right outside of Columbus. I'm a medical data consultant. And why is sustainability important to me? I think the, you know, the the 50,000 foot view is we want our planet to be healthy and happy. And, you know, I've got two little kids. I want it to be here for them in the same manner that we've appreciated it. But, you know, very specifically in short term, we care about our health. And I think that sustainability as it ties to our individual health, you know, the food we put in our body matters.
2: My name is Kim Rosensprung. I'm from Seattle, Washington. I'm a small business owner with a partnership to a coin company. And product sustainability is important to me because I would like to see future generations able to enjoy all the products and variety that I enjoy and to have um, healthy options to do so. Great. Excellent.
0: Well, thank you, Eric and Kim, for joining
2: us today.
0: In terms of questions, um, let's start out with what's most important to you when you think about sustainable produce. Is it how it was grown? Is it farmer worker safety? Is it resource use efficiency, meaning water efficiency, renewable energy, waste reduction? Is it sustainable packaging? So what's most important to you when you think about sustainable produce?
1: I guess for me, uh, it's probably all the above. You know, it sounds like Kim's got some experience in uh, running business. I ran a chain of restaurants a decade ago, and we, you know, we ordered large volumes of produce, and the amount of waste that came out of what we ordered was staggering. And I heard somewhere that, you know, we've, we're have we kind of on the cusp of uh, biodegradable, or we have biodegradable packaging, plastics, things like that. That would be huge. Um, but for us specifically, what's most important, I think, is minimal pesticides, making sure that what we put in our body, I mean, I, I'm not talking about the quantity because I like to eat, but I'm talking about the quality of the food that we have um, to put in our bodies, our kids' bodies, you know, cutting down on, um, you know, hidden diseases, cancers and things that may be caused. I mean, I, it's just, it's a big black hole. and So that, that's a very important thing for me, for our family.
0: Great. And Kim, what about you? What's the most important thing to you when you think about sustainable produce?
2: So factors that are most important to me about product sustainability um, would include costs, health concerns, and uh, convenience. So for me, uh, something that for sustainability is that I'm looking for is that it's healthy for my family. It's not going to have negative impacts such as, you know, pesticides, hormones, Genetically modified foods, those, those are factors that are important to me and making me weigh my decisions of what I'm buying.
0: Great. Thank you. Um, Eric, how important is sustainability when it comes to purchasing produce? Is it always important, occasionally, rarely? And have you changed your priorities and preferences over the years?
1: I would say initially... Rarely, you know, and you're kind of coming up through the world, you're, you're price shopping. And uh, we have two young kids, we have twin five-year-olds, and it's become an ever-present thing. They were micropremies And we started from the early days thinking, what do we put in their body? How do we get them to grow and develop and get out of this one and a half, one and a half pound body? So I've kind of, de- our family, my wife and I have developed into uh, fairly conscious shoppers. You know, we look for organic foods. We shop labels. Um, you know, it's not loss on us that labels on food products or marketing efforts. Um, so we we do actively seek out sustainability where we can easily find it. Um, as we get a little older, we appreciate you know, we've learned how to suss out what's sustainable and what's not, or at least we think we can. Um, so it's it's becoming very important for us because we want to live a long time. We want our kids to live long. And again, it's, you know, we believe that the food we eat chains all the way back to how it's grown, you know, and of course the implications to the, to, to the planet.
2: Great.
0: Thank you. And Kim?
2: Well, I'm not as informed as I would like to be on uh, sustainability because I don't always feel that it's, my opinion is that it's not mainstream knowledge, but I do consider myself to be a teachable individual. And I would like to learn more about that. I'd like to learn more about ways that, Products can be produced in a way that is sustainable and healthy for not only people who are consuming them, but also for our planet.
0: Great, and that brings me to another question, um, Eric, and and thank you, Kim, for addressing this. Is are you willing to pay more for produce that's sustainably grown, packaged, and produced?
1: Yeah, I think so. My wife and I are in a position where um, we're not not wholly resource constrained, so. You know, if if we could feel good about what we were purchasing, knowing that we were doing something good for the planet and, you know, people were generally taken care of um, and feed ourselves. Sure. I mean, if it wasn't a a crazy amount of money, you know, like tripling, tripling the cost of a pack of spinach. Yeah, I don't I don't think we're doing that.
2: So yes, I would be willing to pay more for products that are sustainable. There's some things that are closer to my heart than, and that I'm more informed about, for example, living in the Seattle area, um, our salmon supply isn't always harvested in a way that is sustainable. And so I do look for locally sustainable um, practices from fisheries. And those are the kind of products that I'm willing to give my patronage to and purchase, but, um, I do think that we've seen some trends over the years of purchasing products, such as organic 10 years ago, I didn't buy a lot of organic products and produce because it was very expensive. And now that the price gap has kind of closed a little bit and it's made it more affordable. And I've been more informed of the benefits of, you know, what I'm consuming and what I'm putting into my body. I'm willing to pay more for it. And so when it comes to sustainable, if I was given more information and more knowledge in a way that uh, it motivated me to purchase those, I absolutely would. I think that I just don't have as much information as I'd like to. And it'd be nice to have that information marketed more so that it is more mainstream so that people are more aware of uh, their purchasing practices and how it's impacting the environment and, and those things. So if you actively
0: seek out products that are sustainable, and I heard you, Eric, mention it's it's through labels, but how do you find that information and what cues do you take to find out if something is sustainable? Is it is it the type of packaging that the produce is packed in? Is it the way you feel about it? Is it maybe a logo or a trusted brand um, I think I heard Kim say it's about the grocery store that you're shopping in where you can choose to shop sustainably um, is it a feeling or a perception versus versus knowing that it's sustainable so can you can you address that Eric
1: yeah I think it's more of a feeling like I said it's it's pretty much label shopping when we go to the store um, sometimes I'll we'll get on a kick and start researching a company if it's a brand that we use a lot you know, kind of dive into their history. I like to unpack the way businesses are run. And, you know, if I find something out that sways me away from that product, um, you know, that that's kind of how we, we fact find. We've got a lot of friends that um, are very eco-conscious uh, conscious and uh, vegan, kind of, uh, you know, animal cruelty, veganism type of world. And we get a lot of our information through them. You know, a lot of social media links are are kind of passed around. So, I'd say a lot of it's feeling based when we're in the store, but when you get behind a computer, you know, in a world of way too much information, you try to try to suss out what what you can pay attention to, and oftentimes we settle on the products that we buy all the time to research.
0: How have your fresh produce buying habits and purchasing decision changed with COVID? Um, you know, before COVID, we were on kind of a trajectory to. Get rid of single-use plastic packaging, and now it seems the demand for packaging is going up. Um, so, how have your fresh buying habits changed since COVID, or have they?
1: It probably hasn't changed a whole lot. I mean, we still try to buy, you know, healthy, you know, fairly local. I mean, we pr- primarily grocery shoppers. We don't do a lot of um, markets. But I, what I will say is, with COVID, it kind of highlighted the. Um, Kind of the feeling that we should be a little more self-sufficient in our food, uh, our food needs. So my wife and I planted a couple of gardens in the backyard this summer. Um, it's something we've had in the past, but we kind of dabbled with and we took a little more structured approach. And I don't want to continue to buy our produce from fine produce people, grocery stores, but um, disaster scenario you know pandemic hits zombie apocalypse whatever it'd be nice to be able to take care of ourselves a little bit if we had local produce or local you know uh, markets that we could we felt good about we could go to we knew they weren't going to run out um, we're probably a little more inclined to do that now than we were pre-COVID.
0: Great thank you and Kim what about you?
2: My purchasing practices have definitely been impacted by COVID, mostly due to like the frequency of my shopping trips that I make. Uh, in the beginning, when there wasn't as much information and there was a lot of um, disinformation out there, I seemed wanting to do a lot of bulk purchasing. So I would shop once a month, sometimes once every six weeks. And I would just go to Costco and do a lot of bulk shopping. And produce in our household was a luxury because I'd have it and it lasted about that first week. And then when it was gone, it was something that I wouldn't replace until you know I needed to run to the store for more staples. But I did find myself uh, supplementing with a local farmer's market that's open here year round. It's an outdoor uh, produce stand. And so it was nice to be able to feel safe in that environment to shop and still have some of the produce that we could supplement to the monthly to six week grocery trips that we went on.
0: Great. Thank you. And moving on, what information
2: would you like produce companies
0: to share about their products they grow. What, what do you want to know, Eric? Um, you said you like to buy things that make you feel good about the purchases. Um, why is that? So what information would you like us to share, us, the industry, the produce industry, about our products?
1: Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a big YouTube, not a, not a, not a um, content producer. I'm a big consumer of YouTube videos. You know, I could follow the day in the life of, uh, um, you know, a person homesteading in Iowa, for instance. I mean, I could follow their channel for like a year and never get tired of it. I would love to see, uh, probably, a walkthrough of these companies' businesses. You know, who uh, we we buy the same spinach uh, from Kroger's over and over and over again. Show me where it's made. Show me, show me, John so and so who plucks it out of the ground or out of the hydroponic plant or wherever it's grown. Give me some insight into the people that work there make me feel connected with the product Um, you you probably have you know a a loyal customer for life Um, so i think i think just kind of the a, a video day in the life of where my food is how it starts to you know where it ends would be nice
0: great that's that's super helpful i'm sure to the suppliers that are listening to this Kim, what about you? What information do you want produce companies to share about the products that they grow?
2: For me, it comes down to I don't know what I don't know. I view myself as an average consumer, and a lot of that knowledge I said I don't feel is mainstream. So, if companies could market it in a way that informs me of my purchases and how it's helping sustain, you know, labor and people uh, and the planet and Um, those things, those are the things that make me feel good about moving forward with my purchase. And so I, it just comes down to information that's available. And it seems that a lot of that information, if you want to, you have to actively seek it out. It's not something that is mainstream. And I think that I'd like to see more attention brought to it because I don't, I don't know a lot about it, but I'm, I'm ready to learn. So teach me. Wow. Great answers. Um, from both of you thank you and then
0: finally how would you like or recommend that suppliers share this information with you um eric i heard youtube social media um but sometimes you have to look for that or hunt it down what about on the packaging itself um on their websites how would you what's your recommendation
1: i don't know i'm kind of tacky and i it's, you know, it's not lost on me that we all have this big brother vibe where somebody's always watching our every move. Um, so I kind of hesitate to say this, but I think people are generally lazy, myself included. You know, I see QR codes on packages all the time. It's like scan this to get more information. Um, I'm not doing that. You know, my wife's not doing that in the store. And especially with all the, all the online purchasing we've done, we're not doing that when it gets to the house. You know, um, so again, a little big brothery, but Track a consumer's purchase history at the store, and we go to Kroger. They know exactly with our loyalty cards. They know what we buy. Uh, just send us an email, or I don't know, find some way to get us to like a product page on Facebook, and then let that like do the work. I mean, I get on Facebook all the time, and it just tells me things that things I want to know. Well, give, give again, give me that video. Give me that. Give me a link to YouTube from Facebook. I'm not an Instagram generation, so I can't speak to how that happens, but um, I kind of sort of force it down our throats a little bit. Not everybody's very proactive about finding information out, but if somebody presented it to me, I'd watch it in a video for sure.
2: Great. Kim, what about you? So I consider myself an uh, average consumer and I don't actively seek out that information. I probably should so that I'm more informed and it is my responsibility to inform myself of these things. But it would be helpful if there was more marketing geared toward that, that supplied that information to me more actively. I think in the past 10 years, you've seen a lot of push for organic things and things that are non-GMO and You know, we didn't even know what GMOs were a few years ago. And so there's more information about it now. And we have more knowledge of things that we can avoid and things that maybe are better to purchase. You know, you have your good, better, best choices. And so if I had more information about that, I think that that would probably be the marketing technique that I would start out with is just informing the general public. We live in today's society and through my whole life. Food has been a resource that just seems very abundant. Doesn't seem like there's a lack of it. Doesn't seem like there's a supply chain or lack of supply um, issues. So, but in the future, that might not be so with our growing populations and the nutrients in the soil and many other factors that contribute to that. And I think attention should probably be more focused on that. And then maybe labeling things like USDA sustainably harvested or something along those lines, but definitely trying to get more knowledge and inf- information mainstream, that would greatly benefit, I think.
0: Great. Well, um, I think this kind of wraps it up. It was great. Uh, this has been a great opportunity to hear directly from two consumers um, how each of you are defining Prioritizing sustainability purchase purchases and how you're actively seeking out sustainable products and the information that you want um, fed to you, basically. And I'd like to go back quickly before we wrap things up is that the recent research conducted again by Aimpoint that will be coming out in September, that with no one clear definition of sustainability. Consumers need to be able to trust what's being provided them, provided to them is sustainable. And what they found through the research and what we've heard today is that only 15 percent of those surveys completely trust that they're being provided sustainable options in the market. Um, So I think that there's a huge upside potential here. We know that trust is built through transparency and by increasing our, when I say our, I mean the produce industry, I was born and raised and grew up a farmer's daughter, but by increasing our communication about what we're doing in the area of sustainability is really the produce industry's next big opportunity. And based on what I've heard today from from the two of you and from a lot of research that's out there, it seems clear that now is the time For the industry to tell the great stories that they have to tell because I guarantee you there's so much out there that we can talk about it's just up until recently nobody really asked about where their product was was grown and how it was grown so I think this is a big opportunity to and and it provides a platform to build that brand trust that you're looking for and and for the suppliers participating and and listening to this panel session the consumer need for transparency is what driving is what's driving um, the retailers to issue these sustainable surveys around packaging, um, greenhouse gas emission reduction, social accountability, resource use efficiency, and not only are these large retailers trying to satisfy the consumer, your need and desire to, about wanting to know more about how their your produce is produced. These large retailers are also trying to mitigate their own risks by ensuring that they're purchasing products that are environmentally and socially responsib- responsible. So it's time for this industry to begin to figure out what's important within our own organizations, because there's a huge story to tell. As we saw in that beginning slide, sustainability is defined and has many different definitions. So how do we as an organization communicate and share and really prioritize um, that story? And it's also important that we realize that transparency needs go beyond just the practices. Um, and you know, starting with practices is a great start, but it's about collecting the data and measuring progress to not only demonstrate a company's commitments towards sustainability and the progress that's being made internally, it paints a picture of efficiencies and inefficiencies, which could also help with prioritizing where do we tell the story and and what do we start with first. But it's important that we listen to consumers because it's you, it's us, we're we're all consumers have been the ones driving this initiative and demand for transparency around sustainability. And sustainability also provides benefits back to the organizations themselves. So I feel that this is a supply chain-wide initiative that everybody from the grower to the consumer has a responsibility to contribute. So I want to thank you, Kim. I want to thank you, Eric. And thank you to the Packer and the Farm Journal and Appeal for hosting this sustainability summit. And I look forward to the rest of the conference. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to this great content from our Sustainable Produce Summit. We hope to see you at our next event. Remember, we've got West Coast Produce Expo, the Global Organic Produce Expo, and the Sustainable Produce Summit all as part of the roster. And of course, you can always read our reporting on thepacker.com and producemarketguide.com along with our weekly newspapers and magazines every other month. Thanks again for joining us and we'll see you next time on the Let Us Learn More podcast.